0: Listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. local church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's Leave sermon. Your hands, you
1: hold the squander that. Don't squander the opportunity to gather in God's house. Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some in these last days. And I want to encourage you tonight. Uh, I don't have to tell you because you're already here, <laughs> but I do want to encourage you uh, that the, the church is a great place to be. I've, I've often, uh, anytime I've missed a church service, I've regretted it. But anytime I go to church, I walk out of that service without any regret, feeling much better than I came in, right? And so uh, it's a great opportunity to gather in the house of God. Let's open up our Bibles this evening to the book of Acts and chapter 8, if you would join me there. I love the book of Acts. The book of Acts, to me, reads uh, like an exciting comic book with action on every page as the new church begins to be established on planet Earth. And as we can look at this account some 2,000 years later, and we can find for ourselves a blueprint of what the church ought to be. And you have found yourself here on this Wednesday night recharge service. So we're in the middle of a sermon series that we've been doing on Wednesday nights. The sermon's uh, topic has been on the theme of evangelism, winning the lost. And, uh, and making disciples. And I want to continue in that theme and in that, uh, that idea tonight as we look at this incredible uh, uh, account of the very first time someone who is not a Jew believes in Jesus. And it's an incredible, incredible account that I want to read here in just a moment. Acts chapter 8, if you join me there. There's a very important number to me. I'm going to say it quickly so nobody remembers it, 601 That number is my social security number. Uh-oh, it's been recorded. <laughs> and uh, that is a number that identifies me uh, to our federal government, to many of our state government and local government. It identifies who I am. It gives partnered together with a date of birth. It tells uh, uh, some government bureaucrat who I am and where I live and how much money I make and, and uh, various data points, right? But you know if I today I called the IRS, have you ever called the IRS? What a man, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I waited for 25 minutes to speak to someone. and uh, the question that I had for them, they were not able to answer for me. They said, uh, yes, sir, we, uh, we cannot confirm or deny whether or not we've see, received your correspondence. You'll just have to wait eight more weeks. That was real. But in the course of speaking to this uh, not-so-helpful person, they did ask me for my social security number, and I rattled it off to them. But can I tell you tonight, I did not get the feeling that that person on the other end of the line really cared about me. <laughs> she was polite and she uh, uh, told me what she needed to tell me. Uh, I hung up the phone feeling frustrated. But see, that person didn't care about me, didn't care about my family, didn't really even care about my tax return, and when is it coming back? Eight more weeks? but she didn't care. She was just doing her job. And, uh, you know, if I could go down to Washington and I could bring my social security card and I could present that to the various bureaucracies and, and they would say, okay, we found you, your name, your wife's name, your children's name, your income, your address. We have all this data on you, but did you know that bureaucrats really don't care about you? You know, this is, why, this is why the best advocate for your children is not your their school teacher in the public school system. The parents are still the best advocate for their children because at the end of the day, uh, your children, according to the government, are just a social security number. They're just another name and a number on a card. Well, tonight, I want to remind you That when it comes to the kingdom of God, we come into his kingdom and we are not issued a card the moment that we get saved. Did you know that? We are not just joining a church membership. We are not just gaining a membership name and number and title when we come into the kingdom. Jesus said that when we come to the kingdom, that we are being born again into his kingdom. Family. That we are being adopted by the Father of all, and we become sons and daughters. And what that means tonight is that in the kingdom, there is no number, there is no registration, there is no. What we are tonight is far more than just a citizen of the United States or a citizen of heaven, but we are members of His family do you know what that means tonight? That means that we have value. We have value in the eyes of an almighty God. Now, in the scripture we're about to read, we're going to read about a person that in those times and in the setting that the story is told, who did not have a lot of connections to the church, who did not have a lot of... uh, Uh, sway or pull who um, they they wouldn't know his name they didn't know who he was or why he was there but it's interesting to me that the account of this story is here in the book of acts because it tells me that God cares about people and that is something that we have to be reminded of especially when we are thinking about evangelism God didn't die for trash He didn't send his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for things that are worthless. Jesus died on the cross for people who have great value. And we're going to see one of those people in this scripture tonight. Join me as we read together in the book of Acts, chapter 8, as we read about this Ethiopian uh, eunuch. Beginning in verse 26, now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he rose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake his chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. We'll read the rest of the story in just a few moments, but let's take this opportunity to pray together. Father, we, t- we come by the precious blood of Jesus, and tonight in this place, I'm praying once again that you would rekindle in us the sense of value and worth in every human being. I'm praying tonight that you would give us understanding, God, that you do not create trash to be thrown away. And God, that every person that you have created in your image, God, is worthy of our efforts, is worthy of our embarrassment, is worthy of our time and attention. Lord, if you sent your son to die for them, then it is a worthwhile endeavor for us to preach that message, that gospel message. I pray tonight, help us once again to see the value of even of one lost soul tonight. And we give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. I want to preach a message, a man on a road. Because this is what we find in our scripture. The Bible describes him as uh, a man of Ethiopia, a man of great stature, of prominence, uh, a man who served in the house of the queen of the Ethiopians, Now, the Bible does mention that he is a eunuch. Uh, If you don't know what that is, ask your mother. She'll tell you what a eunuch is. And uh, so he is traveling. He's on a business trip. He has great wealth along with him. The Bible says that he was a keeper of the queen's treasury. And uh, he is traveling to Jerusalem. There is something about this man that he is there to worship. It was during the time of the Pentecost that had just happened a few chapters before. And so we don't know a whole lot about his religious background, only that he did not understand the scriptures that he was reading. But there was something about him that was curious. We could call this Ethiopian a seeker, someone who is truly curious and truly seeking the truth of the kingdom of God. Now, I want to tell you tonight that this Ethiopian man represents for us an entire generation. In this Ethiopian man, we can see the people that are mostly going to be on that ocean front on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. These are people who uh, probably don't go to church on Sunday. These are people who may have some Christian background, who maybe have some religious experience like this man did, who have been a few times to observe a worship, but truly and fundamentally do not understand the things of God. I mentioned earlier that we are now living in a post-Christian America. And that is uh, unfortunately true, that our nation founded on Christian, godly, biblical foundations has now take, taken a major turn in the last uh, 30 to 40 years, that there has been a major turn, and it, what, part of the, the change that has occurred is that now we are living in a generation where people can go all through their educational classes, all through elementary school, all through junior high school, all the way through high school, and even get a college degree from a reputable university and not know one thing about the Bible. That is happening every day in our nation today. Every day, people who go 12 years to a public school and four, six, eight years to a university and not know a single thing about the Bible. We are living in a biblically illiterate generation. And the cost that we are paying for this is extremely high. It is no wonder now why we see such a turn from godly principles and values because there is ignorance when it comes to the word of god this is the very first time in american history that this is true even just 50 or 60 years ago that you could not call yourself an intelligent educated person unless you knew something about the bible but today you can You can claim to be informed, you can claim to be educated, you can claim to have uh, degrees behind your name, and you don't have to have one single thought in your brain about God. And there is a deep poverty that is happening, but there is hope in this tonight. The reason I say that is because the world cannot answer the real questions of life. Did you know that? The world and the ways of the world cannot truly satisfy the longing of the human heart. God made us as spiritual creatures. The very beginning of the book says that we were created in the image of, in God's image. Part of being made in the image of God means that there is a certain spiritual hunger and a spiritual thirst for things that are greater than just the material world. It means that if all you live is a physical life, a material life, if all that you believe in are things that you can see, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, you will be left destitute because you will not have the answers to the most important questions of life. When I see a generation that has no understanding of the Bible, that has no understanding of who God is, is it any wonder then that they begin to try to create a God in their own image, a God that agrees with the way that they live, a God that is okay with homosexuality, a God that is okay with with, uh, with all manner of wickedness in our generation, pornography. Is it, and, and even many churches today are filled with people who condone and, yes, even encourage wickedness from the very pulpit. It is evidence of biblical illiteracy. And the hope is, right here in our Scripture... Here's a man, an Ethiopian man, who has had some religious experiences, but he knows nothing about what he's reading. He cracks open the Bible, he's reading the Scripture, but he does not understand what he's reading. Now here's what I want to tell you about this Ethiopian man. It's very interesting that this story is parked right here in the middle of the book of Acts. Because if you read the first seven chapters... This is a story primarily about Jewish believers. When Jesus came to the earth, he came first for the house of Jacob. He came first to the people of Israel. He came first to minister to his brothers, to his nation. He came first for the Jew and then later on for the Gentile. But in these first seven chapters, we're reading about great revival that's breaking out among the Jewish people that as the apostles begin to preach the gospel from one city to the next they would go into the Jewish synagogue and the pattern of their ministry was they would go into the synagogue they would teach about Jesus the Christ who died and then resurrected and they would from the scriptures they would reveal Jesus as the messiah and they had great success with this Despite all of the uh, all of the persecution that came against them, despite the Pharisees and the Sadducees who tried to shut them down again and again, but they saw miracles. They saw people healed. They began to preach, and people, Jewish people, a lot of them, began to get saved. But what we do not read about is anybody else getting saved. We don't read all through these first seven chapters. We don't read about. Anyone from any other nation except Israel. And so when we come to this account, it is the very first time that the church begins to reach out to a foreign person, to someone who's not a Jew, to an Ethiopian, a person of a different culture, no doubt a different language, a different skin color, a different way of life, an outsider. And, you, you, you know, it's, you might think, you know, in our, in, our, um, in our very culturally sensitive generation that we live in, you might think that, oh, yeah, it's, that's no big deal to reach out to another culture or someone who's not. But that's a really big deal, isn't it? To cross race, racial and cultural divides and to begin to reach out to someone who had no connections in the church at that time. But here's what I want to show you, something so interesting. Go back to our scripture, Acts chapter 8 in verse 26. Was this Philip's idea to go preach to this man? It was not. It said that an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road, which goes down from Jerusalem. So he arose and went. And then in verse 29 it says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. Could you imagine being Philip? Could you imagine following the voice of the angel and saying, I've got an appointment for you, Philip. I've got someone I need you to meet. Go down the road and I'll show him to you when you get there. And there's Philip walking on the side of the road. Where's this guy I'm looking for? And there he sees him. He's on a chariot. He's a different skin color. He's got a scroll from the book of Isaiah. Look, People didn't carry around scrolls with them in those days. They didn't have the Bible app like you have in your pocket. A scroll was worth a whole year's worth of life savings, right? It would be worth incredible, vast amounts of money and treasure. This man would have had all of the outward signs of wealth, and and he'd be traveling along the road. No doubt he's got a security detail attached to him. He's a guy of prominence. And here's little Philip, little old Philip who's been chased around by the Romans, who's been persecuted by the Jews. That's pretty intimidating. Does this guy even speak the same language as me? Here's the truth tonight. Sometimes God will call you to minister to people who are not like you. And that's uncomfortable sometimes. Can we just be honest? Sometimes God will call you to people who think you're weird or to people that you think are weird, and that's okay. If we are going to reach beyond our little inner circle, our little family church here, if we're going to reach out beyond that, it's going to be because someone here listens to the voice of the Spirit and says, go talk to that person who is really, really different from you. Say, Pastor, I'm just, you know, I'm just an average Joe. I I don't make a lot of money. And there's the businessman who's flying on Learjets every other weekend. What do I have to say to him? You've got a lot to say to him, don't you? What about that person who, uh, you know, who's got a different skin color than me and maybe there's an age gap and I'm too old to talk to that young person or I'm too young to talk to that old person? We can always find an excuse why we shouldn't be talking to somebody about Jesus. But the truth is that this was not Philip's idea. This was the Spirit of God. I want you to go talk to that person See, nobody like him has ever been saved before. But, Philip, this is my job that I have for you. Do you know what that tells me tonight? It tells me that God cares about people. <laughs> God cares about people. Yes, we know that he cared, had, an, a, had a special care for his people, Israel. Jesus came to them first. Jesus was rejected by many of the Jews, most of the Jews. And so God says, now let's see what we can do. When we begin to stretch the boundaries, stretch out the borders, let's begin to see how the Spirit moves in people who are of different cultural backgrounds. It begins with this Ethiopian. A few chapters later, we read about a, we read about a, a, a man named Cornelius. And in these accounts, we read about how God himself is reaching beyond the barriers. you remember the story of Peter on the rooftop and he's having himself a nice little siesta taking a little nap in the in the sun and he falls asleep and God gives him a vision and in that vision are presented to him all of these manner of foods that the Jews would not dare touch the foods like uh, like shrimp and crab and bacon glory to god and peter looks at all of those and he says oh lord i can't eat that don't you know i'm a jew lord but the the lord is speaking to him and saying take peter and eat in his vision he said lord i can't do this i've kept these commandments my whole life i've kept this law and i can't i can't violate what you what i know is right he's got convictions And thank God for people who have convictions. But the the meaning of the vision was more than just food. The meaning of the vision was that God wanted Peter to begin thinking out outside of the box. Up until that point, Peter had only been witnessing and preaching and caring for the Jewish people. But now the message is it's time to go beyond. It's time to begin thinking about other people Who aren't like you, Peter? Who aren't like you? Let me ask you tonight when's the last time God was able to speak to you to witness or minister to someone who's not like you? See, the problem is many times that when we see people who are not like us, uh, we don't often, uh, or we don't automatically attach value to them. And that's wrong of us, isn't it? Sometimes there are, there are racial or there are a cultural divides or there are, there's history or, you know, it's a, a neighbor who parked in your spot, you know, and, and I don't even want to talk to them anyway. And what God wants us to do is to see beyond the little cultural differences tonight and see that they are precious to him. The world Is precious to him. Can I ask you tonight, what are the things that are valuable to God? What could you, if God was having a birthday, now we know God was never born, but if God was having a birthday and it was your chance to buy him something, what would you get for him? What do you get the person who literally made everything? Do you get him a diamond ring? He doesn't care about that. You buy him a plot of land, you buy him a new church building, I'll take it. No. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you cannot give anything to God that he doesn't already have. Did you know that? And so what does God truly value in this world? We know that the world is fallen in sin, and, and the world as it stands does not have value to God. But there is one thing that God cares about. You know what it is? He cares about souls. He cares about people. He cares about you, even though you were messed up in your sin, weren't you? God cared enough about you to send his son to die so that your sins could be forgiven. And not only that, there was somebody who started praying for you somewhere along the line. Who said, that crazy kid, that stupid little punk, he needs Jesus. That crazy girl trafficking in the world, she needs Jesus. Lord, you need to send somebody to her, right? Somebody said a prayer for you. There was a praying grandma somewhere. My praying grandma is here tonight. Or a praying father, a praying mother, and somebody began to cry out to heaven on your behalf. They cared about you. They saw value in you. And when God answered that prayer, God sent maybe a preacher, you turned on a radio station and heard a message. Was that just random? Was that just coincidence? No such thing in the kingdom of God. God purposed at the right moment, at the right time, when your heart was ready to receive it, to hear that message and, or, or to speak to that person, and they said, would you come to church with me? And you were crazy enough to say yes. And God brought you into his kingdom. He cared about you. That was God's doing. The Spirit spoke to somebody and another somebody and another somebody. And now you're saved here today. Can I ask you tonight how the next person's going to get saved? How is your neighbor going to get saved? How is your friend, your family, your coworker, your classmate? How are they going to come into the kingdom unless somebody cares about them? cares enough about the kingdom, kingdom of God to obey the Spirit? That's what we're here to do tonight. Can I, can I remind you that that's the only reason you're still around on the earth? You're not around because of how good-looking you are. God doesn't keep you on the earth because of how talented you are. There's a lot of talented people in the world, right? God doesn't keep you here on planet earth Because you're a really good interior decorator. Do you know why you're here? Because there's still a few people that you can speak to. That you can minister to. That's why we're still here. And these are the things that God values tonight. Psalm 139 tells us how much God cares about the lost. When David begins to contemplate how God has made him, he says these words that marvelous are your works. My soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Listen, this is when David was still in his mother's womb. God, he says that, God, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Don't tell me that's just a clump of cells. Don't tell me that that doesn't have personhood. Don't tell me God doesn't care if we rip it out of a mother's womb. How much does God care even about babies in the womb? Listen, verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the grains of the sand. Do you know how you can tell if someone cares about you? Have they been thinking about you? Have you been on their mind? Husbands, if you want to treat your wife... You can remember during the day to give her a little call or a little text message. Hey, I'm just thinking about you. And she, you know what she'll do? Oh, thanks. Right? That's so sweet. You were thinking about me. This is not what my wife does, but uh, this in my imagination. <laughs> but when you're thinking about someone, when, when they're on your mind, you know what it means? It means you care about them. You remember, if you're married in this place, you remember what it was like to fall in love with your spouse? It's like you couldn't stop thinking about them. It's like you couldn't get through the day without thinking what your relationship was going to be like. That's what it means to be in love. Did you hear how often God was thinking about David even before he was born? It said, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. If I should count them, they would number more than the sand. And can I tell you tonight, that is not just true about David. That's true about every human being, every person, saved and even unsaved. God is thinking about them. Right now, there's people that you don't like, that God's thinking about them. There's people that aren't like you, like this Ethiopian man. Let's say, oh, they're, they're just out of my range. That God, that's not the person. Can't you bring me to person to someone who's just like me? I'll witness to them, Lord. Someone who's my age and my background and my income, and I know how to talk to those people. But You know, there's only one of you. And there's a whole lot of people who aren't like you. <laughs> and God says, I care about those people. One of the things about serving God, beloved, is that as you live for him, one of the things that starts to happen is that you should start loving the things that he loves and hating the things that he hates. Now, I just want to close tonight and get through the end of this story and see what happened when Philip was willing to reach out to someone who was very, very much not like him. First of all, let us see in verse 30, Philip ran to him. Everybody say the words, ran to him. You know, that doesn't mean that he was necessarily excited about this. He could have been nervous. He could have been unsure. But what he was doing was simply obeying the Lord. And I see in that little phrase, I see the same thing that King David did when there was a Philistine out on the battlefield. And the Bible said that he ran toward him, ran into the battle. And before he could allow himself to be overwhelmed with fear, he ran to this very, very strange person. He ran to him. What do you do when the Spirit whispers to you, hey, see that person right there? The one look at the tomatoes in the produce section. But Lord, they're not like me. Look at them, all those tattoos and piercings. Lord, I can't talk... Run to him, her, them. Lord, look at all those children. I can't handle all that. Lord, I don't, I don't understand. The, the, their pants are baggy. God, I, I just don't, I don't know about those. But I, I can't do it. Run to them. Run to them. If you're excited to talk to them, then chances are they'll probably be excited to talk to you. It said that he ran to him. Verse 30. So interesting to me that when Philip ran to this very strange person, he comes and he hears something. What? I know what you're reading. How is it possible that he's got the scroll open and he's reading? Do you, did, you, did you catch where he's reading the book of Isaiah? And this was the scripture where he read. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? Philip would have instantly recognized, this is from the prophet Isaiah, he would have instantly recognized this is not just any scripture. This is talking about Jesus, the one who was just crucified, who gave his life as a lamb, laid down, who didn't open his mouth before the accusers. He, he would have instantly known what he talked, what he was he talking about. What a perfect opportunity, man. These are the kinds of opportunities that every preacher prays for. God lead me to the person who's reading the right portion of scripture and thinking to themselves. What in the world does that mean? And Philip is there at the right moment to explain. Now, let me ask you this question What if Philip had gotten butterflies in his tummy? What if Philip had made an excuse to himself? Said, Ah, oh, that Ethiopian. No, no, let me go find another Jew to talk to. Someone who understands the scriptures so I can tell them about Jesus. Can you imagine the opportunity that he would have missed that day? The Ethiopian man, very strange, very different, very rich, but he was reading something that was very, very powerful and he didn't even know it. The Apostle Paul told us that how will they believe unless they hear and how will they hear without a preacher? I was talking to A person today on the phone, a person who's going through great tribulation, difficulty. But even as he's going through this terrible thing, he's beginning to read his Bible. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, it's a good thing you're going through that because you never read your Bible before. And as he's reading the Bible, he's telling me the things that God is speaking to him about. And he's saying, Pastor, I, I get it. I understand this. It's amazing for the first time the word of god is coming alive because he's really seeing what it means i want to tell you there's people like this all around you in a biblically illiterate generation there's people like this all around you they do they do have answers uh, they do have questions but they don't have answers so philip takes the opportunity and he says verse 35 Then Philip opened his mouth. You know, I think a lot of Christians can learn from that. Sometimes all it takes is to open your mouth. Didn't Jesus promise that when you stand before kings or when you stand before councils, that all you got to do is open your mouth and he will put the words that you need? Say, I don't know what to say. I don't have a Bible degree I I haven't even read the whole thing myself. What am I going to say? If you will do what Philip did and just, uh, uh, Jesus loves you. (laughs) And you'll probably say some crazy stuff, but that's okay because God uses crazy people who are just willing to open their mouth. That's all it takes. Just willing. Lord, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to say, but ah, fill this thing. Because I've used it for a lot of wicked stuff before. I want you to use it for your kingdom. And when it's in the right moment, and when it's in the right Scripture, and Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the Scriptures, he preached Jesus to him. Now, he must, God must have put some words in Philip's mouth that day. God must have inspired this man. And I'm going to tell you, there is nothing, nothing in this life more exciting than doing that right there. To me, that is the most exciting part of being a Christian. I love preaching to you people. My 45-minute sermons prove that to you. But what I love even more than that is explaining the gospel to someone who wants to understand it. There is nothing more exciting than that. To see the light bulb begin to shine. To see the lights begin to come on. Oh, I get it. I'm a sinner and I'm on my way to hell. But Jesus died for me so that the price could be paid. What do I need to do now? Beginning at the scriptures, Philip opened his mouth and preached Jesus. Now, verse 36, as they went down the road, they came to some water. Oh, I love it. They came to some water, and the eunuch said, "Hey, here's some water. What hinders me from being baptized? I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm all in, baby. It's time to get baptized." Listen, he didn't have a, a Bible degree. He had not gone to cemetery. I mean seminary. He had not. He had not been. A, a, you know, trained by the, clad by the masters, all he had been, Philip, all he had been was with the disciples. And that was enough. And this Ethiopian eunuch says, what hinders me? Can I be baptized? See that puddle? Could you baptize me here, please? I don't want to go to hell. I'd like to be saved. Philip said, yeah, let's do this, man. Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, then you may. And he answered and said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded his chariot to stand still. And Philip and the eunuch went down in the water, and he baptized him. I want to close with this last truth that's going to blow you away. Are you ready for this? Verse 39. Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at this other place, Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities. I don't know exactly what that means. Definitely. This was like Star Trek, beam me up kind of territory here. The Bible said the spirit picked him up and transported him down the road. He was so excited, he was so filled with the Holy Spirit, that God said, I've got to get you to these people next, right now. Because once you start doing this, oh man, you're not going to want to stop. I thank God for our brother Tommy over there in the back row. Been saved for almost 50 years, huh Tommy? You know, this brother, I, I don't mean to embarrass you sir, but He told me that he goes down to the ocean front every Friday night, passing out tracts, telling people about Jesus. Nobody told you to do that. Nobody's twisting your arm. He just wants to see people saved. Can I tell you, God will use that. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to be highly intelligent. You don't have to be super talented. All you have to have is an open mouth and a willing heart And a sense tonight that God could use you to save another precious soul. He who wins souls is wise. That's what Jesus came to do, and that's what we are called to do also. I wanna encourage you tonight. There's a lot of Ethiopian folks in our generation. People, yes, who may have had some kind of religious experience had a a church background of some kind but as soon as you begin talking about the real things of the kingdom they have no idea no idea but you do it's like they have uh, a disease that is going to lead them to their death but you've got the cure man and unless we take it out Bad things are going to happen. I really want to encourage you tonight. I I don't mean to be super heavy about this tonight. I want to encourage you to see that God could use you to save a few people who are different than you. And God will use this in a powerful way. Let's bow our heads tonight as we bring this service to a close. And as God challenges us once again in this place, I thank God, everyone who's here tonight, thank you for your patience. Thank you tonight for your attendance and for an open ear and an open heart. I thank God that his word is so powerful to penetrate the human heart and to speak to us in ways that a preacher can't. I can say the things that God is speaking to me about, but I am positive tonight. God has been using his word to transform your hearts here tonight, to challenge you to speak to you, to show you things about yourself. And tonight, we want to give God an opportunity.
0: We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, Would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.